Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Bill Heasel. Bill is currently the director of pitching at Driveline. He's also a pitching consultant for the Philadelphia Phillies. If you're someone who loves anything about pitching or just love someone who literally just climbed the ranks from college now to driveline now you know also in professional baseball and that intrigues you you want to learn more about pitching and all aspects of it like this is gonna be a great episode to listen to bill's story is very unique in that he coached college baseball for seven for seven years at a division three school while also working a full-time job um he gets into it but he was literally sleeping in his car um, some days to you know go uh, after practice and until he started work at 9 a.m. It was just it's some pretty pretty cool stuff, uh, pretty inspirational for those out there who want to continue to coach and coach at a high level. But he really gets into you know, what he does at Driveline, how he goes about working with the coaches there and training the coaches, what he looks for when it comes to actually hiring coaches. And he gets into, you know, specifically like not, it's not always who has necessarily the best resume. And we also talk a little bit about, you know, how does he coach his actual pitchers, right? Does he, do they break down swings of hitters? Do they, you know, what do they actually do at driveline when it comes to working with pitchers? Cause they are you know, clearly head and above shoulders of everyone else when it comes to developing and working with pitchers. So hope you everyone enjoys this episode. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I just, I really enjoy listening to stories like Bill's where, you know, you maybe started off on, you know, a path that, you, you know, is a little bit different, but just through perseverance, you just continue to push through and it's, it's cool to see people make it on the other side. So hope everyone enjoys this one. If you haven't, make sure to go subscribe rate and leave a review on iTunes that helps the overall rating of the show so more coaches and players and parents can listen to this so hope everyone is doing well and uh, ladies and gentlemen here is Bill Heasel all right Bill we're now uh, live recording appreciate you coming on the show today yeah man absolutely thanks for having me so, I mean, I know you've, you've been, you know, you've been coaching for a while now. I mean, even in the college setting, we were just talking about some, you know, colleagues of ours that uh, you've coached with too. But, I mean, give everyone just a little brief background on, on yourself and, and your own coaching journey. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I obviously played college ball, had a pretty pedestrian career. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, really got started coaching at the JUCO level at uh, Northampton Junior College in, in Pennsylvania, where I'm originally from. I uh, was there for a handful of years and uh, really where I kind of started to figure things out. Um, moved on to uh, a D3 school to Seattle University in, in Pennsylvania, had the opportunity and, and kind of the privilege to be there for a couple of years. And then, um, yeah, ended up here uh, shortly after that in kind of like a coordinator role and, uh, you know, I've been here two and a half, almost three years, I think at this point. And, uh, yeah, now, uh, am the director of pitching here. So, um, yeah, not, uh, probably not your, your typical journey. Um, really my first full-time you know, coaching or, or player dev position, if you want to call it was, was driveline. The, while I was coaching college ball, I was working full-time in like a quota carrying sales role, which, which wasn't fun, but, um, as I'm sure you know, and, and any coaches 
that are listening. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to hold two or three jobs to, to make it work. And, you know, that's, that's what I had to do. So when you were coaching in college, you were also working at other jobs too? Oh yeah. 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 So I, how does that uh, work? How does that work for... by schedule wise? <laughs> uh, it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, basically right out of, right out of school, I, I didn't start coaching right when I finished playing. Um, I wasn't even really sure I wanted to coach um, or, or get into it. Uh, I knew I wanted to do something that kept me connected to the game and wanted to keep feeding like the, the competitiveness and, and, and just like trying to find something that would allow me to still compete. But you know, wasn't really sure what it was going to be. Um, so I took a job uh, working at uh, basically a sales job, a quota carrying sales job in like financial services. So I had uh, a couple of financial licenses, you know, it was similar to a financial advisor, but but more on the sales side. Um, so yeah, I was doing that nine to five. And I did that, uh, you know, for like seven years, uh, literally did that the entire time I was coaching uh, and didn't stop until I, I moved out here and took the job with, with driveline. So yeah, the schedule doesn't work. Uh, you know, uh, we were just talking about, you know, one of our, our mutual friends, Matt Packer, but, uh, you know, Pat can tell you, uh, I would pretty often, you know, run some sort of a practice at like 6am, take a nap in my car, work nine to five, and then either hit the road and go recruiting. Cause I handled all the recruiting at, at both stops or come back for maybe like a second workout if I wanted to be involved with, with position players or something like that. So yeah, it didn't work, wow. but uh, I mean, as I've, I've told some, some people here, uh, it takes what it takes and uh, that's kind of what it took. So. So now as director of pitching at driveline, like what, what exactly does that role entail? Cause it's a little bit, I feel like it's sometimes different, different organizations have, you know, even in the MLB, it requires, you know, it just not, it's not every, ever, not every role is the exact same. So like what is director of pitching at drive one entail? Yeah. Uh, I actually think it's probably fairly similar to what you would see a director or, or a coordinator do with a, with a pro team. Um, you know, there's a lot less hands-on coaching with athletes. Uh, I certainly still do that, you know, primarily with our, our private trainees, which, uh, you know, are pretty much exclusively, you know, pros or whatever. So there is still some, some hands-on coaching, but it's limited, um, at least here, just because my focus is really just like running the department, similar to what a coordinator or a director would do with, with the team. Um, so coaching the coaches, uh, you know, doing, handling a lot of like the logistical stuff, making sure that, you know, the members of our staff are, you know, set up with the tools that they need uh, to just get players better. And uh, really, we're just have really similar goals to probably what, uh, you know, any team has, which is just to create and, and operate the best, you know, pitching department in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty similar, I would say, to, to what you would see a, a team do. How many, how many pitchers do you guys usually, like, in a, like every month, would you say, run, come through driveline? Uh, this year, obviously, you know, with the circumstances, a little right. different. But uh, in the past, you know, our two kind of big times are obviously pro offseason and then, kind of like college summer where the, the college off season would be, you know, so we always get a, a ton of guys that uh, maybe don't play in the summer and would rather, you know, focus a little bit more on the developmental side. So, yeah, I mean, when we're at like full capacity and, and obviously, you know, there's no restrictions in, in the things we're under now, uh, you know, we're going to run it up over a hundred pitchers, you know, at a, at a given time. Uh, obviously, you know, their duration of stay changes. Some guys are coming out, you know, simply to just get assessed. 
Um, and then they may leave and, and do some of our programming remotely, work with one of our remote coaches, uh, or, you know, train on their own, train on another facility. Um, you know, some athletes are going to come for a couple of weeks and work on something really, really specific, you know, maybe come out and do some really specific pitch design work. And then you're going to have other guys that uh, want to kind of spend the whole off season here. So it really just depends. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we're upwards of an over a hundred athletes wow. uh, on the pitching side at a time sometimes. Now, I know you, like you mentioned, like college guys go out there for an assessment, pro guys, same thing. Do you ever get high school guys who just fly out just for assessment and then you'll just help them remotely when they're back home? Yeah, yeah, we, we certainly do. I would say the amount of high school athletes we have um, like in gym that train on a regular basis is, is still relatively low, mainly because, uh, you know, they're just playing way more. Uh, I, I think like, you know, as, as – you know, you probably know, and, and anyone who coaches college ball knows that, that those guys are still a lot of times just caught up in, in playing as much as they possibly can, whether it's travel ball, showcase stuff or, or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, we certainly do. Um, I, I would say our, our population is still mostly, you know, your, your college and, and professional players. But, but yeah, we have a handful of high school guys that are in right now. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's great. There's still a, a ton of value that they can get just from like building good habits, understanding how the throw works. Uh, if they're more advanced than certainly doing some pitches on stuff is, is, is in the cards. Um, but really for them, it's about, you know, uh, you know, getting them to understand workload, throwing fitness, how the throw works, helping them move and just set them up with a good foundation, um, you know, so they can kind of work on things on their own or, or when they're in the gym. So. I was, uh, I was looking over your Twitter and, and seeing some of the tweets you had, and you had a good thread, I thought, on, I think it was Zach, uh, Zach, was it uh, TCU, Zach Dakin? Yeah, Zach DeCant, yeah. Zach DeCant, Zach DeCant. Um, can you, like, and, you, and in that, you talked a little bit about how mobility and how we can't just rush to assume everything is essentially like a mobility issue. Can you, like, like furthermore, like, to give more, like, detail on what you mean by that? Because I know there's a lot of, coaches out there are going to be listening to this and, and they're essentially saying what you're saying not to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'll preface it by saying that, uh, you know, assessing guys, range of motion, mobility work, any of that stuff is, is not bad. And, and we certainly don't not do it here. Uh, I mean, anyone that that's been here knows how important our assessment process is. And, and that includes range of motion stuff. And, you know, we certainly, you know, we have an in-house PT. I mean, we do a lot of things that are, you know, you would consider our, our mobility work. Uh, the, the point I was trying to make and, and what I think uh, I've talked to actually Zach about this thing specifically, and I thought he summed up really well on that, that podcast that I referenced in that, in that thread is just that, uh, you know, I still see a lot of coaches at every level really uh, just really trying to like chase down mobility as an answer to, you know, like mechanical issues or even sometimes, uh, you know, specific like pitch metrics, right? So I think, you know, we have a lot of coaches that are, you know, will just want to point to one thing, right? It's a lot like everything, right? You always want to have like one defined nice answer, like, oh, this guy's velocity is down. What is the exact reason why it's down? Well, there may not be one. It may be a combination of a variety of different things. Um, but I've just seen a lot, especially recently, you know, where uh, maybe an athlete's, you know, velocity is trending down and, you know, you just see coaches wanting to point to, well, his hip internal rotation has been down these last couple of years as well. So if we clean that up, you know, that may solve a lot of these problems. And it's like, it's, it's unfortunately just not that simple. Um, and then what is more the case is thinking that, uh, you know, not understanding that 
the mobility and the skill, uh, you know, kind of need to go together. So, uh, you know, you see a lot of coaches, again, at, at every different level, really try to chase, uh, you know, mechanical changes via mobility drills or, or, or try to like make major meaningful changes to, to someone's throwing mechanics in the weight room. Um, and it's not that those things are not possible. It's just that uh, it's not always as simple as, oh, okay, this, this guy has, you, you think this guy can't keep his, his upper half closed, uh, you know, when he gets in a foot strike, his, his trunk rotates super early. Uh, oh, well, he's limited in, in thoracic rotation. So if we clean that stuff up, then he'll just be able to hold counter rotation better. Maybe, but probably not. Uh, it, it may just be that he's bad at throwing and he needs to throw more and you need to design drills and give him drills that, you know, help him achieve a movement outcome that is a more closed torso. Uh, you know, the, the best bet is to just, why don't you just do both, right? If he's limited in some range of motion or there's a deficit, you should certainly address that, but cleaning that up doesn't automatically mean he's going to move better in the throw. So why not do both, right? At least that's how we attack things, right? If we see, you know, someone has a deficit, whether it's in the hips and the shoulder or whatever, uh, we're certainly going to try to, you know, correct that or, or encourage it to move in a, in a better direction. But we're also going to pair that with something on the skill side, whether it's a plyo drill, whether it's, you know, uh, some sort of like cue or whatever to, to try to encourage the movement on the skill side. It's just, uh, you know, I, I think Zach's quote summed it up really well in, in that, like, sometimes they just suck at the skill. You know, everyone wants to chase mobility. Uh, and it's not that it's not important. It's just, it's not the only thing that matters, you know? Um, it's, it's a lot like everything in the throw, you know, uh, you know, strength matters to a point, mobility matters to a point, you know, the throw is just a really, really complex movement and a lot of things go into it. Um, and we just have to understand that that's, that's really all. And it's pretty cool to hear him say that, um, just because he's a strength guy versus, you know, I mean, like us, like, you know, you're a pitching coach, like I'm a hitting coach. You know, if we say that, it's kind of like, well, you're just saying that just because you're, but I mean, that, to have like an actual strength coach say like, Hey, like most of the time the issue is not actually like mobility work like that. That definitely helps a lot too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's, it's uh, something that's prevalent on the hitting side as well. Um, you know, it's not always, Hey, th this guy uh, just has like poor sequencing, right. In his swing. Uh, you know, you may not, you're probably not going to fix that by just having him do like a bunch of like hip cars or, or like 90 nineties or something, you know? Right. Uh, you know, there's probably some skill specific training stuff that needs to be done to help get the sequencing to the point where you feel like it's good. Right. Um, and you probably need to combine those two things. Hey, we're going to have him, you know, do these drills and swing this heavy bat and this long bat. And we think that's going to clean it up. And if we combine that with like some hip and thoracic mobility stuff, those things combined probably get us where we want. So let's do that, you know. Do you find that, and this isn't the, I'm, I'm saying this because in hitting this, this can be uh, true at times, whereas like hitters, you know, sometimes hitters like will use different cues and, but the issue sometimes is like cues and, and feels change over time. Do you find that this be the same thing in pitching too, that, you know, one day like you give someone uh, a pitcher, some sort of cue or something and it works, but then like the next star doesn't work at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely, that's definitely the case, but I think that also lends to why, uh, you know, saying less is, is probably one of the best things you could possibly do. You know, good coaches, uh, at least the way we feel and, and, and how we kind of train up our guys here is, uh, is, is to not say much, 
um, you know, let, you know, give them a lot of information up front, educate, educate them really well up front, get them to understand, you know, the drills that we're going to have them do, the purpose behind them, what are the things they're specifically working on, how the throw works, you know, provide them with a lot of education up front. Um, and if you do that, if you do that well, and you structure their programming well, then there's not a need to, to coach them a ton um, in, in the drills or in their bullpen or, or in things like that. So, um, you know, I say it to athletes a lot, and it's actually in some of our onboarding stuff. You know, a lot of athletes are really taken aback when they get here and they start throwing and doing some different things. They're expecting our coaches to just be like telling them, yes, that was a good rep or no, that wasn't a good rep every single throw. And uh, not only does research support that that's not the most effective way to to drive, you know, skill improvement and in, in, in player development, but uh, it's just, it's going to do more harm than good. I'd rather, uh, you know, educate the athlete up front, give them some constraint drills or, or whatever drills you want to use. It really doesn't matter. Set them up with a radar gun, set them up with something like modus to, to make sure that the, the intensity is in the bandwidth that I want and they're not exceeding like workload limits or whatever. Uh, and, then, and then just let them figure it out themselves and pick my spots when I'm going to come in and give them a cue or, or talk to them about something. And, you know, different guys work in different ways. Um, I think there's this like weird dichotomy of like uh, dichotomy of like, you know, your more trained athletes can probably handle more cues. So your pros, your higher level guys, the guys that, that already move really well can probably handle more coaching. If you want to look at it that way, where your, uh, you know, less skilled athletes probably can't handle as much. And it's kind of the opposite of what you would think you want. You want and feel like you need to coach those athletes more, but they can actually handle less. So um, I think it's, it's important to understand that. And, and that's why we just, we don't say a whole heck of a lot um, when guys are throwing day to day, you know, we may give them a cue here or there, but we're going to give it time to, to sink and see if it works and let the athlete kind of figure it out and, and use the radar gun as, as feedback as much as possible. Yeah. And I would totally agree on the hitting side too. It's like the, the more elite the hitter is like the more they could probably handle versus someone, as you just said, you know, a, who isn't as skilled. I mean, you got to keep it simple, which I, like, can I catch myself all the time because you like, you see so many things wrong and it's like you want to say everything, yeah. but it's hard to just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I talk about it in like our foundations of pitching course and, and some of our other stuff. It's like, it's hard. It's not easy. You know, you see someone struggling and your first thought is like, I need to get in there and help them, you know, and, and, and like tell them this and do this and like change these things. And it's like, look, he's, he's, he's struggling. And that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, something, uh, I think I heard it at, at Pitchapalooza a, a couple years back and I think it's in maybe a, a motor learning paper or something, but it's, it's always just like stuck with me, uh, throughout my entire career, which is just like, as a coach, our job is, is to like facilitate the trial and error process that the athlete goes through. And our job is not to eliminate failure. The, our job is to just prevent the athlete from like continuously failing. So, you know, seeing an athlete struggle is, is not necessarily a bad thing. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things we work on our coaches with a lot when they first get here is to just get them to understand that, um, you know, you need to pull back. You're going to want to jump in and coach this guy every single day. And, and that's just, you know, uh, probably not the best route to go in terms of making improvements for them. So, so as director of pitching, is it one of your, uh, you know, responsibilities too, is, you know, bringing like hiring, recruiting coaches, pitching coaches to drive on? Yeah. So what are you yeah, looking uh, for? What are you looking for? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who want to do essentially what you're doing. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, as as I think Giles talked about on, on some podcasts and stuff that he's on, um, we really don't care about, you know, a lot of the, I mean, we, we do and we don't, but I, I don't personally care about uh, your educational background. Um, you know, it's, it's great if you went to, you know, Harvard, but it, it doesn't really matter to me at all. What I care about is that you're just willing and have demonstrated the ability to work really, really hard. Um, if I know that you're not going to be afraid to put in an intense amount of hours, you're open-minded, you want to learn, and you're going to take advantage of the resources that we're going to give you access to, uh, which you're not going to get anywhere else, um, then that's a really, really good starting point. Uh, obviously, you know, having some familiarity with the stuff that we do here, you know, um, is is probably you know preferred but not necessarily required we've, we've hired guys that uh you know have coached at some level or, or work with athletes and, and don't really do uh you know some of the stuff that we do here um but they've got but results yeah yeah that's that's the main thing we're looking for you know that you've done uh that you've worked with athletes and if you've documented your process and you can show me or you have shown uh, someone, whether you put it on Twitter or Instagram, whether you've written things down, that, that you have a documented process that shows, yeah, I can, I could put a process in place, I could put systems in place, and it gets athletes better. That's really what we're what we're looking for. And it doesn't take a ton of technical knowledge to do that. Um, you don't need to be, you know, uh, a master at, at analyzing, you know, specific pitches. You don't need to come in here and be able to run a pitch design on your own. You don't even need to be able to come in here and and you know. Uh, you know, run similar programming stuff as we do. If you can show that uh, you're willing to work really, really hard, you're open-minded, you've done some independent learning on your own and you've tried to, you know, utilize the resources you have and can afford. And then you just have documented a process of, of working with players. Um, you know, that's really, really where we start. Obviously, you know, there's some other intangibles. You can speak Spanish or something like that, that, that helps. Um, you know, there's always, uh, you know, room for, for maybe somebody who's already worked in pro ball or has worked with professional guys. But again, uh, you know, if you look at our staff right now, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty unbelievable group. Um, you know, I, I stand by and, uh, that. I think we have the best pitching department in the world. Um, but, uh, the, the background is just all over the place and, uh, I, I like it that way. Um, I like it that way. It, uh, facilitates new ideas. Uh, you know, there's, you know, a tight feedback loop between the department with R&D and other departments. And uh, we just work really, really well. So, yeah, uh, we're actually hiring. We're looking to hire a throwing intern right now. Uh, we, we typically start guys off as an intern. Our interns are, are paid. Um, so it is a, a paid position. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, so if you work nine to five plus coach college baseball for five to seven years and you're qualified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, I think Kyle's talked about it. And I think actually Mike has, has talked about it too. I mean, we, we almost uh, like to see that like, oh, this guy, you know, uh, worked in like a service industry, right? Worked, uh, you know, as a waiter or a waitress or uh, worked as a dishwasher or, or has done like some of those jobs because uh, one, you probably have some decent interpersonal skills, uh, but also, you know, you're just not afraid to, to work hard. Those jobs are not easy. Uh, they require probably longer hours than is typical. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're difficult jobs. Um, and someone who's willing to do that and then do other things on top of it independently to try to better themselves. You know, that's, that's someone that I'm interested in talking to. How many employees do you guys have now? 
Uh, that's a good question. I think we're over 50 at this point. Wow. Um, I mean, we have a lot on site, you know, we have a lot of folks that are remote, uh, obviously more so now, you know, because of the, the current situation. But uh, even before that, we had a handful of, of employees that, that work remotely. Um, so yeah, I think we're over, we're over 50 at this point. It's, it's grown pretty fast. And then, but you're also expanding. I see like Phoenix, like and Texas too. I mean, are you guys like looking to open up potentially other drive lines permanently? Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, that that's always been uh, something that uh, you know uh, athletes and, and and players and stuff have, have, have asked us to do for a while. Um, the two places that uh, you know we we opened up in, in Texas and Arizona are really temporary right now. They're just kind of pop up locations um, that we're probably going to you know operate three to four months. Um, basically a little after spring training. Um, and then we'll kind of reevaluate, you know, stuff there, but really it's just to, to open things up geographically, you know, give us access to athletes that maybe, uh, can't travel to Seattle, um, that, but, you know, want to get the opportunity to, to go through motion capture, train with us, get experienced, uh, you know, using our stuff. Um, so it's just a really, really good opportunity. You know, obviously Arizona is also, you know, a spring training site, you know, a lot of uh, professional guys just like call Arizona home because, you know, spring training is there. And then obviously there's just like a huge amount of baseball talent in Texas. So, you know, those two spots just just made sense. But in terms of something permanent, uh, you know, it's certainly something that we've we've talked about and have considered and people have asked us to do for for a long, long time. But uh, with the new place here in Seattle and, and it being so great, I mean, we want to make sure that place is is it as good as it can possibly be first? And, and then we'll, we'll probably think about, you know, maybe doing something else. Will you be going to, to Texas or Arizona? I will not be. Uh, I will be here. Um, I have, you know, a, a handful of private trainees here that, that I work with still. Um, so, no, I, I, will, I will not be going. I'd like to make a pit stop, but uh, my uh, first child is, is due here in about a week. Oh, wow. Uh, Congrats. So, Thank you. So, uh, yeah, so definitely won't be traveling. Yeah, I won't be doing uh, that. Never mind. Definitely won't be, won't be traveling, but, uh, no, uh, we've got to have, uh, at least two throwing guys at, at each location. Uh, and, uh, the lab will, you know, our mobile lab will be traveling to both. So, uh, we'll literally be able to do everything at those spots, whether it's piss design, run motion capture, whether it's day-to-day -day training. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're pretty excited. One, one of the things that, that I see people like kind of give you guys crap about online is, is how, you know, you guys are just training velocity and not really like work helping, like helping players like work on command too. Um, mm -hmm. Like how, like, what would you say to combat that? Like, yeah, like we actually, you can do both. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could certainly do both. I think the, the thing that people still just have a hard time understanding or really the two things, I guess, is um, one, just, you know, velocity is, much easier to train than command. Um, you know, it, it just is. I, I don't think anyone has figured out how to actually train command all that well. Um, I know we certainly haven't. We, we feel like the process and the, and the implements that we use do a really good job, but I think we've, we're pretty far from solving command training. Um, I think a lot of that is just inherent in, you know, how difficult it is to, to track actual command, um, you know, without Hawkeye or, or, you know, like a stadium track man unit, um, which are not readily available for, for most people. Um, but I think the other thing that, that people just, you know, don't understand is just for most athletes uh, and, and even honestly, a lot of minor leaguers, like velocity is just the lowest hanging fruit, the best way to make them better and give them a better shot to make it to the big leagues, to get a college kid to, to, 
you know, bump up his draft stock is, is to get him to throw harder. Um, it, it just is the lowest hanging fruit for most guys. Now there's certainly still some guys that we have come in that they already throw plenty hard um, or hard enough, um, or they have some, you know, maybe some outlier pitch characteristics where the velocity at, at 92, 93 plays up a ton. You know, they have a ton of carry or whatever the case may be. Um, so we certainly do a ton of pitch design work. I mean, I, I think we're pretty well known for that as well. And, and we certainly do command work and we incorporate a lot of command work into what we do. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty frequently having guys throw our command balls. We're, we're you know, always having something on one of the ply walls to make sure that the guys have a target to throw to. So, so a lot of that stuff is like built into, into our throwing programs, but yeah, I think those are really the, the two big things. It's just, it's really hard to train command. doesn't mean we don't try to do it, but the other thing is just most guys need to throw hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the reality. If you want to play professional baseball and you throw 88, you're not going to make it if we just get you better at throwing the ball where you want, you're just not, um, you know, unless there's some sort of outlier characteristic that you have, you know, you're a sidearm guy, a submarine guy, you know, you have just like three other pitches that are plus plus offerings. So, and even that guy, even if that is true, even if you are a guy that like kind of chills at 88, maybe touches 90, your two breaking balls are absurdly good. Your changeups unreal good. Do you know how much better that person would be if he just threw 92? So like, I think people just underestimate how valuable velocity is in today's game. Um, and, and how much just gaining one to two miles an hour is for, for a player. And it's, it's the exact same. I know I see Dudo online talking about this sometimes too. And he's right is it's the same thing on the hitting side too. It's, you know, that's usually the lowest hanging fruit for hitters too, is being able to hit the ball way harder than they can. I mean, if you can hit your max exit velocity is 85 or 90, I mean, you damn near got to be perfect. I mean, you got to be barreling up so many more balls versus the yeah. guy whose max is 110. So, and you just, you don't see that happening at the big league level. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's weird how it's the same thing on both sides. Now, going back to the command training, I'm sure a big part of that at times for some players, not all, but is, is the, is the mental side of the, of the game, right? The mental side of pitching, like, how do you, or how have you helped try to help players with that, with that side of the game? That's a good question. Uh, I think to be quite honest, I, I don't, I don't know that we've done a great job, um, in that. I mean, again, we haven't had a ton of players that, uh, maybe have needed something like that specifically. We have worked with some players that, you know, you may think or would consider having the yips or something like that, but not a ton, but, um, I think it's just really hard. We've, we've done some stuff outsourcing like a, a sports psych or a mental skills coach. Um, we've talked about numerous times, maybe hiring somebody, bringing somebody in house, um, but uh, yeah, I think that's that's a really a really good question. We've we've had a lot of success with the command training that we do, and we've also had a lot of success uh, with a handful of guys with not really doing uh, any kind of mental skills necessarily, and, and more just uh, you know training them uh, and just getting them better and, and their confidence just improving, and that kind of carrying over onto the field. Um, I'm thinking of kind of one guy specifically who um, we didn't really do, we did some command specific stuff. We didn't really do any mental skills stuff. I think he might've done some stuff on his own, but really we just, you know, uh, 
really tried to get him to throw a little bit harder and, and really just like focus his training. And he got substantially better during his time here. And, you know, potentially, uh, again, I, you know, hard to tell if this was the actual case, but because he was just better trained, he felt more prepared. He felt like his stuff was better when he went out that next season to pitch, he was just better and commanded it better because, you know, he was more physically prepared. Um, and that probably translated into him maybe being more mentally prepared. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that's a really good question. And then we've also, quite honestly, we've had failures. You know, we've had some guys come in that have command issues that, you know, maybe have the yips or whatever. And we do a variety of different things, put them through some command stuff. Uh, they end up like throwing great here. Um, they, they carve in live ABs. Everything looks great. And then we think everything's good. And then as soon as they get into an actual real game, they, they kind of revert back and, that's the stuff I'm interested in trying to figure out, but I just think it's it's really, really hard. But those are the scenarios that we've run into. Again, there haven't been many, um, but I know teams run into them where I think having a mental skills, sports psych resource that we can go to to consult or, or work with would, would be really, really valuable. And I know it's something we're, we're actually going to be exploring here in the future. Yeah. Well, so those players, obviously, you I don't want you to name any names, but for those those players who have come in with the yips, I mean, was that something that they recently were dealing with it? Like it came out of nowhere or was it something that was kind of more chronic? Like it was they've been dealing with it with for years and years. Yeah, we, we had a little bit of both. So the, the couple guys that I'm thinking of, we had one athlete who. Um, he had pretty poor command uh, during his college career. He just threw significantly, you know, harder than, than most. So, you know, still got an opportunity. Um, and then uh, things just kind of like, uh, you know, declined as soon as he got to Pro Bowl. So uh, whereas command wasn't good in college, it just got substantially worse and kind of turned into to the yips on the professional side. And he ended up uh, not having a job pretty quickly thereafter and then started training with us. And then, um, you know, got a job again and was throwing a ton of strikes with us, was carving in live ABs, looked absolutely fantastic. And then, um, you know, as soon as he got back into kind of like live games, it, it kind of like reverted. Um, so it's tough to tell, like, you know, his command issues were, were kind of more chronic. He always, you know, had, you know, below average command or whatever, but, uh, but then we've had guys where it kind of just appears. Um, I, again, I, I, I think we've done an okay job, but, uh, probably nowhere near as good as, as we need to be. Um, I think I'll give you, I got, I got a guy you could, I'll give you, I'll give you his name off the air. I think you, you might like talking to this guy. And one of the things that this guy, I hate to say, like, sound how weird not saying his name, but one of the things that I've, that I, you know, cause I've able to just because of this podcast, talk to some really cool people like yourself. And, and one of the things that he was saying about the yips is if the yips come on kind of out of, out of nowhere, that's when you can use those techniques of, you know, the breathing, the visualization, like I've seen even like the tapping, like that kind of stuff, that's more prominent to work versus if it's something that is, has gone on like off and on for a long time, it's usually it's something deeper. And what he was explaining to me is what I thought was pretty interesting is it can honestly start at a very young age as a kid. And it can happen unconsciously where, you know, you can see like helicopter parents, for example, and how they're always watching their kid and their kids like always nervous. And what ends up happening is the brain unconsciously 
like wants a way out. Like it, it wants to, cause you, you realize with those type of people, your, those parents who, again, I get it. They love you, but like you can never do enough, right? You do well, they want more. You don't do well enough. Then, you know, then, then they're not happy. And so the brain, it gets into like escape mode. And so like it honestly, like that's why you'll see like some people, they always, they're always injured. Or the other thing too is, um, you know, the yips, like you start out of nowhere, like throwing and it becoming, you become worse. And so now it's kind of, now the parent like puts their arm around the back, like it's okay. Like they want them to, you know, now, and now you're getting what you, what you actually wanted from the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah. You want that, yeah, that yeah. satisfaction. And I was like, that really makes a lot of sense. But and for some people though, that starts at a young age and they, they carry that and they're just always good enough to get by or make it to the next level. They throw hard, but that, that type of it's still in there and it's still like you have to like do some deep digging and, and deep type of like therapy work to get it out yeah I, i've talked to uh, i've reached out to dr rob gray i know he's like uh put some stuff out on his podcast and talked about some some papers and some research uh in regards to the yips i think there's there's some stuff out mostly on, on the golf side but it obviously has some some carryover or whatever but i've reached out to him i've reached out to a bunch of people in regards to like command training stuff to, to pick some people's brains Dr. Rob Gray, I've reached out to a couple of people at Altus um, and a couple other folks just to see, hey, this is, you know, what we're doing to train command or what are your thoughts on that? Um, but uh, yeah, the, the yips are just, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know that anyone has has solved it, but what is interesting, which actually brings up, reminds me of something which which I did think was, was pretty interesting is uh, we did some team assessments and, and some stuff. We've done a lot of stuff uh, with, with colleges and, and other orgs and, and you know, kind of been all over the country, uh, you know, a year or two ago. And uh, we made one pit stop. I won't say the, the, the school or anything, but I thought this was honestly pretty interesting where, um, you know, the pitching coach was like, yeah, you know, uh, this, this particular athlete's probably going to have do some limited stuff. He's not going to do all the same stuff the other guys do. And um, I was like, yeah, that, that's totally fine. Any particular reason why? And he was just like, yeah, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of a case of the yips going on. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. That, that's fine. And he was like, but I do want to try something. I'd like you guys to do a pitch design. with him. And uh, I was like, okay, and, you know, we, we, you know, we're, we're going to be doing it with the other guys. So that's, that's totally fine. Any particular reason why? And he was just like, I just want to see if how he reacts to, uh, not having to worry about where the ball's going and the task being totally focused on something else, right? He's going to be working on a specific pitch or all of his pitches. And I just want to see how he responds. And we, had, and we did the, the, the pitch design with that athlete. And like, it was great. Uh, like he threw like some, you know, pretty decent strikes ball was always around the zone. And like, it, it was unreal. Uh, and, you know, when we were done, uh, the pitching coach was just like, yeah, you know, you know, a week ago, that guy's like spiking every ball, like 45, 50 feet or whatever. Um, and he's like, it's just unbelievable that just giving him a little bit of a different focus and making it fun, you know, the pitch design process is like inherently fun because you're, you're literally experimenting or whatever, um, you know, really just took the, the focus or the pressure off of having to throw a strike, having to get somebody out. Um, it's, you know, I always tell athletes, look, this is a consequence free environment. We don't really care where the ball goes, especially early on. We're, we're more trying to land the shape of the pitch first, you know, and then we'll, we'll start putting it in the zone. So, yeah, I, I just thought that was really, really interesting. And I've heard, I think, um, I forget who you had on 
your podcast a couple of weeks ago where you talked about the yips and some command stuff. And they talked about something similar, maybe having guys like throw different implements, throw a football, do some different things to kind of get them out of away from baseball, maybe a little bit, but also just getting back to having fun and not worrying about having to throw the ball to a specific spot and, and the consequences that are surrounding that. Would it, would it make sense to have like a pitcher who, cause I mean, obviously as a pitcher, like you, you got to throw strikes and I'm sure that can get in guys' heads. Would it make sense though to like be like, dude, I want you to throw a ball here. Like, and like once they throw a ball, it's like, are they like, just like really like, Oh my gosh, I don't have to. And then that eases them into just like letting it go a little bit. Would that make, would that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think too, what we've also seen help with some guys is uh, for some guys that may be coming that maybe are college guys or, or lower level pro guys um, that maybe haven't had the opportunity to, uh, you know, throw on like a, to look at their TrackMan data or maybe don't fully understand it or, or haven't thrown on Rapsodo and just don't really know what their arsenal does. Uh, we've had some guys where we can sit them down and be like, look, this pitch is, is really, really good. This is a, this is a well above average pitch for the level that you're at. Uh, you don't have to be so perfect with it, right? Like, you know, letting guys know, Hey, this pitch has this, the, your heater's got like plus carry and you throw it at above average velocity maybe you don't need to worry about like painting the black on every single bullet um, or, Hey, this, this breaking ball is, is a pretty elite offering, you know, for the characteristics that it has. Uh, it's okay to miss over the plate with it every once in a while. Now we don't want to make that like a habit and it certainly still matters to be able to, to locate it. But sometimes just telling athletes that like, Hey, your stuff is really, really good. You don't have to be so fine with it uh, can really set them at ease a little bit. And, and we've had a lot of success with that too. Yeah, I think 95 right down the middle, it's it's still not easy to hit. Like, I've tried it. Yeah. It's still not easy. I mean, yeah, pitchers give hitters way – I think both sides, honestly. Like, I think pitchers, but definitely give hitters way too much credit. It's like, dude, you could – I could be hitting 400 off of you, and, like, statistically, like, you would still have the advantage. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. crazy is that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think it's – I think sometimes it's important to, to remind guys that, uh, hey, when you're on the mound, like, the ball is in your hand. You're the one attacking the hitter. You know, you're always going to have the advantage and, you know, you should just think about being in attack mode all the time. Do you work with uh, your pitchers at all about and teach them how to study hitters and their setup stance, their bat paths, and just kind of matching the pitch design up with, with that particular hitter's bat path? Yeah, we do. We do some of that stuff as part of the kind of the pitch design process. Um because, you know, the, the process has been, you know, when we're developing a new pitch or, or working on a pitch or, or just really just talking about someone's arsenal, the work is not always just done like in the lab or, or, or on the mound. Um, we do pretty frequently meet with guys before each session or after each session and, and just talk through, hey, this is what was good about the session. This is where we feel like this offering's at. This is what we want to work on moving forward. Uh, but then we also talk about stuff like that, you know, so, hey, now that the shape of this pitch is slightly different, Maybe it pairs better with your stuff. How do we want to start using that? How did you use it previously? How do we maybe want to change how we use it? Uh, we talk a lot about, you know, usage rates and stuff like that because, uh, you know, we'll have a lot of guys come in that they don't really use a pitch a ton and then it gets significantly better here. And then they have to figure out, okay, well, I was throwing this pitch five to 10% of the time. It's now a well above league average pitch. How, how do I change my, my total usage, you know? Um, so we have a lot of those conversations, you know, before and after sessions. Um, and then it's a lot about just picking the athlete's brain early on in the process. 
Uh, I pretty frequently like to let the athlete talk a lot early on and, and just tell me kind of what their thought process is, what they're thinking about, how they think about attacking hitters. Um, because one, it just, it just helps to, to coach them better and, and to connect with them a little bit more. But two, when you, when you start breaking down their arsenal, you, you have an understanding of why they go to certain pitches, why they have a comfort level with one versus another. Um, and, it, and it's just helpful. So yeah, a lot of that stuff does take place. Um, you know, we have athlete meeting rooms here. So we pretty frequently, obviously now it's a little bit difficult. A lot of it has to take place over Zoom, um, but we pretty regularly meet with the athletes, especially early on quite a bit, um, whether it's to go over motion capture data, whether it's to, to go over what their programming is going to look like for the time that they're here, uh, or whether it's to review a, a pitch design session, go over the video, uh, you know, break things down, let them know, hey, this pitch is moving in the direction of what our goal is. This pitch is not. How do we want to progress? You know, a variety of a variety of different things. Do you find that there's there's some pitchers though that they it, it does more harm than good to go over that stuff with them? Yeah, yeah. You certainly want to pick your spots and and kind of figure out what the appetite for that stuff is for each guy. Um, I think we do a, a pretty good job of that. Um, I think you know what I try to do right away is is to just ask them straight up sometimes. Uh, hey, how much of this stuff do you want to know? Um, how much of this stuff do you do you not want to know? Um, and then I can kind of pick uh, not necessarily what information I give them because I still want to give them as much information as possible because I think it's important that we're educating them along the way. That way, when they leave, they know how to better train themselves. You know, because whether they're going back to a college, a high school, or even some orgs that maybe you know they're not going to get the opportunity to to be trained the same way that they're trained here. I want them to know. I want them to be able to go back, throw a bullpen in spring training, look at TrackMan or Rapsodo data and know, hey, this pitch is where I want it to be or no, this pitch is not where I want it to be. So I think it's important to educate them along the way. But certainly if it's a guy that's like, look, I, I don't really want to get caught up in a lot of this stuff or dive too deep, uh, then it's just about structuring the, the conversation in a little bit of a different way. Okay, maybe, maybe we make it so, okay, well then look for this pitch that we're working on, you just need to focus on these two metrics. Don't worry about anything else. And maybe we just break it down and it's simple as like, hey, uh, for your slider, it needs to be 85 or higher and we want to have a nine o'clock spin direction, right? Don't worry about anything else. If you do those two things, the pitch is going to be good. Uh, so only focus on that and let's work towards like hitting that on a regular basis or whatever. So yeah, really just, it really just depends um, on the appetite for the player. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes we have to coach them up on uh, hey, you know, uh, you know, going into a more like execution mindset when the game starts, like, hey, look, we've done all the work that we need to do to get these pitches and to get your stuff where we want it to be. It's there. When it comes game time, it's not time to worry about that. It's time to, to get people out and, and hurt people's feelings. And, you know, we've done the work. So, you know, sometimes even with, with pros, we have to remind them of that. Um, and that even, you know, gets built into their training too. Um, you know, there's, you know, contrary to what most people probably believe, we do throw bullpens here with no <laughs> tech. Uh, we do throw, you know, touch and feels here. Uh, we're not running, you know, tons of experiments and, and cameras and radar and all this crazy stuff all the time. You know, there is a place where we need to strip all that stuff away and, and the athlete just needs to like throw their stuff to their intended location and like get hitters out. And like, we want to build that into the, the training. I, I think that's really, really important. Um, 
So we, we try to build that stuff in, but you know, you gotta, you gotta pick your spots and figure out what the appetite is. No, that's, that's really good stuff. And I, I mean, you guys, as you mentioned, you guys kill it out there. I mean, definitely uh, incredible, incredible uh, facility and just program in general, honestly, it's, it's remarkable how, how far driveline and, and, you know, kudos to you for doing such a great, great job and, and moving up the chain so quickly. Um, and again, not surprised just based off of, you know, you work in a full-time job and coaching college baseball. And um, that's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty inspiring. I know I'm going to get some questions on the, the command balls you were, you've been mentioning mm-hmm. in the podcast. Like what, what exactly are those? Yeah. So uh, our command balls are, so they're uh, overweight and underweight balls, but they're also uh, oversized and undersized. So, um, you know, they're a little bit bigger than a baseball, a little bit smaller than a baseball, a little bit heavier than a baseball, a little bit lighter. Um, and we can utilize them in a variety of different ways. We have some pretty good resources on the blog that touches on that stuff um, that talks about kind of the, the, the science, if you will, behind it, you know, uh, things like proprioception and contextual interference. So there's some stuff that you can read on that. Um, and then we also have some stuff on there that talks about, you know, how you can implement that stuff, um, how I used them when I was coaching the college level and also a little bit of insight on like how we use them here. Um, but the idea is, is, uh, it's just training command. Um, you know, if you think about, uh, how difficult it would be to go from like a regular baseball that you're used to, that you're throwing all the time, every single day to maybe a ball that same way, that's like slightly smaller, right? It's, it's really, really difficult. So it forces the athlete to have a really good understanding of, of where their arm is and their body is in space. Um, and uh, yeah, they've, they've worked really, really well. And we've implemented them in a ton of ways um, with a ton of different athletes. So obviously we, we can do some like more traditional command work where, you know, they're throwing bullpens with them at like 80 plus intensity and, you know, we're tracking pitch location and, and uh, you know, execution rate and strike percentage. Um, but then we also have some athletes that, uh, you know, maybe I'll just have them mess around with it in their catch play just to, to kind of build some of that stuff up and, and make sure that their, their catch play has a little bit more of a focus on, you know, where the ball's going. Uh, I have a pro right now um, who we're mixing it into his short box work. Um, he's coming off of an injury uh, specifically to, to his hand. Uh, so I think there's some valuable, pieces to, to having them messing around with some command balls to, to kind of get some feel back. And then, you know, we're working on one pitch in particular and, and his slider is improving pretty substantially. It's going to have a pretty substantial change in, in how it moves. It's going to be moving a lot more, hopefully. Um, so maybe, you know, throwing it with some command balls, even at a lower intensity can help kind of build some feel a little bit quicker. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of ways we, we try to implement them. Um, and it's, it's worked really, really well. And, and then honestly, too, just, just throwing weighted balls in general yeah. uh, kind of trains that that same mechanism, you know? Well, even as a coach, um, I mean, I've been actually doing like some of the weighted balls you guys have just from throwing all the time in batting practice. And it's, it's helped a ton. I just – I love it just to warm up and get the arm rolling. And I think it's great. I mean, just in general, just as a coach throwing all the time. Yeah, yeah. We um, uh, we, we saw – I think it was actually before my, my time working here, but – uh, a team had sent us a, a handful of guys on, on kind of like a player development contract to, to, to put them through some weighted ball stuff to, to try to get a couple miles an hour. And uh, I think we saw that like uh, release release cluster was a lot closer, like after. Uh, so the release point was actually like a little bit more consistent, you know, post weighted ball intervention, if you will. Um, 
So yeah, I think just throwing weighted balls in general is is going to help with some of those things. But the command balls, the premise behind them is 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 really really solid. Um, you know, there's there's some other sports that that go about throwing accuracy training in a, in a similar fashion, and we've had some pretty good success. Uh, we're trying to to iterate on it a little bit. Like I said, the the biggest problem is we just don't have a ton of guys that come here that like the lowest hanging fruit, the thing they need to get better at the most uh, is, is command. Um, And so that makes it hard to run experiments, AB testing, some different things. Um, We're certainly doing some of that stuff, but yeah, the the command balls are great. I I recommend anybody who has, you know, any interest in them to to check out the blog because there's some good stuff on there that that talks about them. Awesome. That's great. I'll, I might actually grab some of those myself. What, um, What's the best way someone can get it? Like, can in contact with you or just follow you? Like, what's your Twitter handle? Like, you put out some really good content. Uh, yeah, my my Twitter is just my name, so Bill Hazel. So at Bill Hazel, I think that's pretty much all all social media. So, uh, you can you can get at me on there. Um, yeah, that, that's that's probably the the best way. Um, trying to, to interact on there as much as possible, uh, and then probably the other way that that I'd recommend is. Uh, obviously you're probably familiar with like driveline plus or whatever. Uh, we recently, you know, over during quarantine, we just launched, um, like a, a Slack channel specifically for like plus members. Mm. Um, and it actually is, is grown like pretty substantially. We got a ton of got a ton of coaches in there, parents, players, um, in there. And, uh, it's a pretty good Avenue. We've set up some channels where, uh, coaches and, and players can ask questions directly to our training staff. Um, and on the hitting side as well. Um, so there's a lot, a ton of really good discussions in there. We share a lot of content and stuff in there. Um, so if you are a plus member, um, and you're not in that uh, plus lock, you, you should definitely get in there. Um, and if you're not a plus member, uh, you should be one just because, you know, it's a pretty good resource for, you know, pretty low cost or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible resource for how much it costs. It really is. Um, Bill, I appreciate you coming on today, man. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad, you know, um, you know, Packard kind of, uh, you know, introduced me to you and I, I actually, I knew I was following you online, but I, I didn't actually, uh, know you very well. And, um, and I'm glad, glad you mentioned something. This has been a lot of fun and, you know, definitely you're doing a really good, good job and killing it out there. Yeah, I appreciate it. This was, this was great. Thanks for, uh, for having me on. I'll, um, uh, I'll, I'll certainly love to, to come back and, and shout out Pack for, uh, for hooking it up. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Make sure to go subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.